It's Thursday at 10 a.m. and you're listening to the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1 FM, talking all things sports with a special focus on our Auburn Tigers here on the Plains. If you want to be a part of today's action, feel free to tweet at us at Daniel J. Locke or the Griggs B. Let's get into the action. And good morning, everybody. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest. We're here on the campus of Auburn University in the Bradley Basin Studios in the Melton Student Center. My name is Griggs Blankenberg, and I'm joined, as always, by the co-host extraordinaire, me and him, been working together a while now, Mr. Daniel Locke. Daniel, how are we doing today? Uh, Griggs, I'm doing pretty good. Um, always fun to be here. Looking forward to another great show. And we're going to kick it off with some Auburn football, so let's just get going. Let's just get it going right now as we speak. All the talk for the past two, three, four weeks, probably even longer than that for Auburn, has been on the talk of who will be the quarterback, the starting quarterback for the Auburn Tigers at 6 p.m. next Saturday night versus Mercer. I think that talk has been going since the last snap of the Birmingham Bowl. Pretty much, I think so. Yeah, longer than that. But this now that we're close to the season and they actually have to pick someone instead of dangling these prospects in front of our face, they actually have to decide who trots out into Jordan Hare for the first time on Saturday, August or September 3rd? Uh, yeah. September 3rd. September 3rd. And coming up. Well, who we thought was leading at the beginning, Mr. Zach Calzada. Everyone was assuming that's who it would be. Not so much the case anymore. No, not at all. And, yeah, I'm with you. Um, once he transferred in, I was like, okay, that's who I'm putting my money on now to be the starter for the Auburn Tigers come September. But he's kind of fell out of contention, it looks like. I've heard that he might even be slipping in the battle for second. That's what I've been hearing, too. I think also it's been that lingering shoulder problem. Like, me and you were both there for A-Day. He didn't get to play in A-Day. We didn't get to see much of him. The person you were talking about going in second, well, first off, pretty much well, – Let's just say this first. Most of the consensus on Auburn stuff, what I've read and stuff, and you've probably read too, is it's getting closer to look like TJ Finley will be the starting quarterback for yeah. the Auburn Tigers. I think now, does is is this decision mainly helping because he was there last year? Absolutely, yes. Having a knowledge of the playbook going into the season beforehand when you're battling against Mr. Robbie Ashford and Mr. Zach Calzada, that is very helpful in your battle against them. You know what the coaches are expecting of you. You know what it means to be an Auburn Tiger. You know what's going to be expected of you. you what, even though you may not have handled the adversity as much as you've wanted yet, you still have an experience of what it's like to play in Jordan Heron on the road in the SEC. True. Um, you know, he's been a part of he, – he didn't play in it, but he went to that wide-out environment. He played a little bit against LSU. Um, he started the South Carolina game. So he does have some good like road experience now. Definitely some stuff to build on. And I think if he doesn't get hurt, I think we win the Iron Bowl. So a lot of people just hear the name TJ Finley and just immediately blow it off. They're like, oh, he's a bum. Oh, he's no good. I have to disagree. He has shown potential of being a solid option at quarterback. He's shown improvement in the offseason. He's lost a lot of weight. He's a lot faster. He's improved his throwing drastically from what I've both seen and heard. Um, I've attended practice a little bit just to kind of see this for myself, basically, because, you know, I like to report my stuff firsthand. And I'm honestly not that – I think he might be a good fit. I, I really do. The thing I think people are scared about is that 0-3 record as a starter for T.J. Finley. You have 
losing to um you got losing to um South Carolina, of course. Even though that was a great environment, that was a great environment. That's a good yeah. SEC environment in Columbia, especially when it's the night game. You were at that game, yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially when the South Carolina is on the resurgence of what they kind of want to be like from the early 2010s era with Spurrier and Clowney and all them. But you have to think about that also. It's this year, Miss Ole Miss and Mississippi State aren't the greatest SEC road environments. Let's just be frank, real quick. They've never been known to be rowdy. I mean. You have them, t- uh, Mississippi State taking on full sections and their bleachers up top to add in places for fans to tailgate more in the upper section. So they don't need those seats as much anymore. But you're playing on the road this year in at Alabama and at Georgia, the two definitely two top ten SEC road environments, top five probably at least, and probably going to be night games. And maybe not. Uh, and yeah, so, no. one, this will be the last year where there'll be day games. I think. I think once ESPN takes full control of the SEC, they're going to push those to be night games. I don't know. Maybe not the Georgia game, especially. The, I think they're going to push the Iron Bowl to be the late night game whenever they maybe. do that. But, but as for this year, no. no my yeah. guess would be both two thirty. Yeah, I realize that CBS is going to get that because CBS only has one night game. They're going to use that on Bama A and M. But yeah, they're going to keep those right there. But this will be the last year. I think that both those games will be two thirty. So real quick, just something I want to point out. Last year, TJ Finley for Auburn, 70 of 28, or excuse me, 70 of 128, 827 yards. That adds up to a 54.7% completion rating, averaging 6.5 yards completion. His long for the year is 51, six touchdowns, only one pick. And he got sacked 10 times. I feel like only about five of those are on him. RO line was not very good last year. Uh, I remember... Watching the Georgia game, we were timing how long Bo Nix had to escape the pocket in the Georgia game before the O-line completely collapsed. And I think the average was like less than two seconds. Yeah. So, I don't think a lot of those are his fault. And only one pick off of 128 throws when pretty much all of his playtime came against, with the exception of the Georgia State game, it was all against an SEC team. Judging except for this year instead of last year, I think it's going to be much more heavily focused on the running, which it should have been last year. Yeah. You have Tank and Turquoise. It needs to be much more focused on the run. I mean, going back, we already talked about some South Carolina game. Um, Tank Bixby had 169 yards, and the second, and then in the second and fourth quarter combined, he had six carries, and then that might be the reason why Mike Bobo got fired the next day. Yeah, when you have a running back that good, they're running like that. You lose to a team that wasn't that good last year in South Carolina by six. And you decide to run the guy who had 169 yards with six carries in the final two quarters of each half. It doesn't make sense. Right, it doesn't. And what really got me was um, the, the Penn State game last year. Bo Nix did not need to throw the ball 37 times. Penn no. State's front seven was good. It wasn't elite. And, you know, Tank had a great game. And he could have had an even better game if they would have just handed the ball to him. So, and that was one of the, Auburn's O-line's better games. It really was. Looking at it, Bo Nix had plenty of time to throw. What really beat Auburn that game was the play calling. And I'll die on that. And note. and Kobe Hudson. Yeah. And, yeah, definitely the play calling. But, yeah, Kobe Hudson, that fumble didn't really help. No, nah, probably not. But this year we have a much more improved O-line. And if what you supposedly. said – Supposedly. is what they say. And what supposedly what you're saying, too, if he's gotten faster and stuff, more mobile – that can help, especially when you have a bad O-line. You need to be able to make it work with your feet and get the, out of the pocket. For and sure. So that'll be better. And then this year, we didn't even talk about it, 
much better receiving core. Yes. And that has been the talk mainly out of camp, where last year, our let's be honest, our receivers weren't that good. No, our um, leader in receiving yards was Kobe Hudson with 580. He is no longer on the team. Our second-place guy, Shed Jackson, he had 527. He's back. Uh, Demetrius Robinson, third place with 489, is gone. But we have John Samuel Shanker back at tight end with 413. I feel like he's going to be a lot bigger part of the offense this year. When you're in SEC school and your top wide receiver only has over a little bit over 500 yards receiving, that's that's not really a good sign. Yeah, almost six. Almost, almost six, let's say. But still, you don't want your leading receiver to get 600 yards. You see that in the NFL. They're wanting to replace the whole wide receiving core the next year. Right. right. So I. It'd be great if we could find a thousand yard receiver on this team this year. Will that happen? I don't know. I feel like we're more likely to have two one thousand yard rushers. Uh, oh, a hundred percent. I think that's going to happen. No question. It's just. I a, hope. I hope too. It's just a matter of. It'd be really nice. I know we're going to be a lot more run centric, but if judge, Auburn is a winning record, it'll be because we have two one thousand yard rushers. Assuming that, yeah, just we need to have. If we have the receiver, we need to have that one guy we can turn to at some points. Who's going to be that guy in the big scenario that we can throw to? We just we need a guy who can get yards and get them quick. Whenever if the run game's not working, whether it be the two good run defenses we're going to play in Alabama and Georgia, we need to be have someone to be able to throw to in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like those. I feel like those two games. Well, in addition to Penn State, and we'll get more into this next week. Those are going to be huge for Brian Harson's future at Auburn. I think that Penn State's going to be a make-or-break game for this team. And here's why. Here's why I say that. Your first game is against Mercer. Or Okay, first off, Auburn's, I believe, what, 30, 31st in the nation in the AP poll? I think. That's what I read? You beat Mercer, and you beat San Jose State. I think that makes you a top 25 team. Yeah. Especially since teams are going to be losing in the top 25 as well. And depending on how soundly you beat Mercer and San Jose State, you can go up more. Now, if you beat Penn State, who is a national brand? If you beat that team on CBS at two thirty, everything can change. That can be a, depending on where Penn State's at in their first two games, that can bump you up top twenty. Yeah. I've seen reports that we go, uh, beat them. Some may even say top fifteen. I don't know. I think that's a little steep uh, for the point right now. I don't know, Griggs. I feel like at that point, like you I can think really it, make an argument. I think for... it matters also where Penn State is at that point. Oh, too, for sure. They're not that, ranked. That's right what it now. all matters about. If they get themselves ranked. And you know Auburn's three and zero with that win against Penn State. I do think top fifteen team, um, but the big thing there, if we can go to Georgia five and zero, I feel like we're a top ten team. Exactly, those three games right there: Penn State, Missouri, LSU. That's it, the season. That's the season. That will define your season. If we go three and two during that span, we are in for a very rough ride the rest of the way. Especially, I would have to agree, especially with four road games against at least three of them being competitive more than we think. I think. The, well, the, Mississippi the, State beat us at home last year. They're better enough, than us. But yeah, we we should not have lost that game. Even we that's played like conversation terrible. for another day, or that's happened in the past. But you're right, we shouldn't have, but we did. And then the jury's still out on Ole Miss. No one really knows what's. Everyone thought Jackson Dart was going to be the starting quarterback, and they've still yet to announce that. So they're going to be better. They just brought in a lot of transfers that people aren't sure how they're going to translate to the SEC yet. But yeah. Those three games, Penn State, Missouri, LSU, those are going to be the season. If we go 4-1, and one, I don't think it's anything to sign the alarm, alarm yeah, over. And, like, going back to that Ole Miss team, I feel like they're in a similar position to Auburn, just with a much higher floor. I think so, too. And, yeah, a less shorter ceiling than us. Or I don't think they can be, like, 
Well, I and feel like their ceiling's higher than ours for sure. Our, their ceiling's higher than us, but yeah. their flo- I don't think their the floor for them is what six and six. Right, and our floors like four and eight. Four and eight. Yeah. Now, if, if we don't, I mean, we at least have those three non-conference. If we don't win six games, something's going wrong. Because I see, yeah. I mean, I see us going. We'll talk about more next week. I think we go five and zero off the bat. Especially I think so too. LSU, they don't really have a who are, they don't really have a dominant quarterback right now. No, Miles Bri- Brennan retired. They have the f- Brian Kelly. I don't think that's going to work out at all at LSU. He does not seem know. like the personality that's going to work there. And LSU and like Auburn is notoriously known for not giving coaches a whole lot of time. Brian Kelly's biggest um, hamstring at Notre Dame is gone in LSU, and the fact that he can recruit anyone he wants. He can recruit anyone he wants, but this is the year that where his recruits have not fully come in yet. He hasn't had a full class yet. And I mean, Marcus Freeman's schooling him. If you compare what he's done at Notre Dame, like replacing him, Marcus Freeman's already done things that Brian Kelly never did. But what's going to set Marcus Freeman up for success this year is, though, that first game that, that week. If they can yeah. win that, everything changes for Notre Dame, I think. Everything season trajectory no matter what now they may get blown out in the college football playoff like they did a lot of the other times but you never know but that first game against ohio state is a make or break game or not make or break i'll say it can be it will definitely be a season defining game for the irish all i'm gonna say about the irish is 44 and 7 over the last four years and those seven have mainly come against either a clemson or b in new year's six or college football playoff game so that's doing pretty well with that um, what else we have for Auburn football before we go to break? Um, we'll talk about this more next week, but let's just go over through it real quick. Level of trust in this team before, with a basically a week and a half out of the first game. Want me to go first? Yeah, go for it. So as I said, I think the floor is four and eight. I think the ceiling's eight and four. Um, so the way I kind of see it is there are two games that are just gone. We're not going to beat Bama. We're not going to beat Georgia. I'm sorry, we're not. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have that leaves us with ten games. There are wild cards. Or actually, excuse me, three are for sure wins. We're for sure going to beat those three non-cons, okay? Or the three of the four non-cons, Penn State. Oh, oh, excuse me. I meant the group of five schools. Yeah. I wasn't referring to Penn State now, even though you're right. But then looking at the remaining seven games, if you win four or five of those, I feel like it's a success. I think so, too. I think what you're saying is correct. I, I think the floor for us is five and seven. Honestly, I can't see them all the Auburn in the Auburn team going for having four wins in a whole season. I just can't see that. So, um, Mercer, San Jose State, West Kentucky. Who are the other teams that you surely think we beat? I think if we lose to Missouri, that's a really bad thing. I know they've have they have a better recruiting class than us this year, but that's really mainly because Drinkowitz has gone out and got that one five star who's like number two player in the nation receiver out of uh, East St. Louis. I mean, you can't. I mean, you can have a five-star receiver. That's cool, but who's going to throw to him? Right. So I think at least we should go get that four wins. No, I'm going to change it back to what you said. I think we're. I think the floor for us could be four wins. After looking at our schedule, some I don't think that's going to happen. I think realistically, I think we're going to go seven and five. But I think the f- ceiling for us, I think it could be nine and three. So seven and five is your trust for like level. That's trust my for trust for the team okay. currently at this stage right now. Which for Harson, I don't know what that mean for them. It depends on what those wins would be. I'm eight and four on it, but 
Don't be sad, Auburn football fans. There will be much, much, much more talk on this next week. But for now, we're going to step away for a second. When we come back, non-Auburn football sports. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Wheel 91.1 FM. I'm Daniel Locke. Alongside me is always Griggs Blankenberg. In the last 15 minutes, we talked about Auburn football, kind of our expectations for the year. More on that next week. But if you missed that and want to hear it, podcast version of today's show will be up shortly after we are done here today. But now we are going to move into the non-football Auburn sports and starting with Auburn soccer as they open up the year 2-0. Um, Griggs and I were on the call in some capacity for both those games. Very, very entertaining. Um, your point differential is 10-0 at this point in, in favor. So, pretty good. But I don't think they're going to leave this weekend without giving up a goal. Yeah, that'd be kind of tough, especially especially tonight's game. Tonight, the Tigers go on to face the number two team in the nation, the Florida State Seminoles. That's going to be, I believe, on the ACC network, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. But that Florida State team is really tough. They came to Auburn last year. Auburn played one of their best games of the season. Ended up taking the loss still in that game, though. But that's a team that's going to be a real challenge for the Tigers tonight. But I'm not saying it's impossible. No, it's not impossible. Um, They played them very close last year. So I was pretty impressed. But, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that Florida State game is on ACC Network tonight at 5. That's going to be in Tallahassee. And then Sunday, the Tigers go to Winston-Salem to take on the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. That's going to be on the ACC Network Extra. That's going to be at noon Central Time. Yeah, that one I think is a lot more winnable. Mm-hmm. Um, Wake Forest is good but not great. I thought that they would be ranked by now, but they weren't. Uh, last week they were the first team receiving votes in the of the unranked teams in the poll. But they were not able to climb in. I wonder why. And Florida State was number one. Now they're number two. So, I don't know. Yeah, Florida State's coming. They tied South Carolina uh, last week. So, I think that's what brought them down for the one spot. And number one is now the North Carolina Tar Heels. It's women's soccer powerhouse, really. But, yeah, I think this is going to be a tough week for the Tigers. Um, You need to have production from Anna Haddock. Number, we said 15 player in the nation, according mm-hmm. to women's soccer. Yeah, she was really great on Sunday. Uh, you had um, uh, McNeil, who also had the brace, two goals on Sunday. That was really good. But Prohaska is going to need to play really, really good. That's yeah. going to be the key for the Tigers, I think. I interviewed her post-game on Sunday, mm-hmm. and, about, and I specifically asked her, like, what do you do when you know you've got a very, very tough assignment, like Florida State coming up? She's like, you know, you just go back to the film room. You watch what areas of the net they like to hit, um, what areas of the box they like to strike in from, and you just find a way to clog those. So if she can stick to that, stick to her game plan, and just be the leader of this Auburn team that she is in doing that, I feel like I, I really like their chances tonight. Yeah, it's going to mean to take a big deal. You need to have Haley Whitaker playing on that outside back, on the defensive back side. I think she's going to need to play like she was against those first two games, being explosive whenever she touched the ball. And I'm not sure if they're going to have um, LJ Knox back, but if they do, that's huge. That would be huge for the Tigers. Yeah, we don't know what's going on with that. Um, other, uh, You're going to need Emmy Craven to step up huge, oh, yeah. too. Her, I think her and Whitaker, her, Whitaker and Prohaska are going to be the keys to today's game. Then Can you're we... going to need your depth pieces like Carly Thatcher. You're exactly. just going to need a great night all around. 
especially that defensive side, how are you going to slow down that Seminole attack and just keep them outside of that box and limit their chances as much as they did? If they play like they did against Southern Miss the other day, they're not going to score nine on Florida State, of course. Right. But if you play like you did against Southern Miss, nothing is impossible for that Tigers team. So best-case scenario tonight, I feel I think we win 2-0. I think that's best-case. I could see 2-1, 2-0. I don't know if I see this being a 1-0 game either know. way. I don't think you're going to hold Florida State scoreless. I don't think it is. I think I think what you said was right. I think it's eh, not two no. I think it's gonna be two one. I'd like to see all one. I don't know how what that's gonna look like tonight, but that's gonna be a tough game. That's all I can say. It's, it will be, and um, I'm writing about it post game, so I will get the great article out to everyone on the Weagle website shortly after it concludes. And I'll be writing the one on week, the after the Wake Forest game on the Weagle website on Sunday. Gotcha. So. I was just about to text Alex, Alex, Alex. and ask who... <laughs> uh, sometimes he feels like an Alex. Uh, <laughs> I was just about to text him and ask who's on that game, but that's good. Now I don't have to worry about it. So let's talk about that one a little bit. You know, you know a lot more about Wake Forest than probably most Auburn students just <laughs> because your connections to that university. What can you tell me about both their men's and women's soccer programs? I mean, Wake Forest has been, for, for well, for men's soccer, they've been dramatic. They've been one of the top five teams in the nation in the past 10, 15 years. They won the national championship in 07 against the Ohio State Buckeyes. They've been to the final game. They've been to the championship twice, I think, since then. Lost to Stanford and PKs against the United States' Jordan Morris that one year. He was there, but... um. Wake's a powerhouse, man. They're the only team in the Premier League right now that's sent a college athlete to the Premier League. They have Jack Harrison, who plays for Leeds United. They're the only team in collegiate soccer to send someone that is currently playing in the Premier League. So they know what they're they know what they're doing in soccer. And women's soccer is still really good there too. Not at the level of the men's, of course, but women's soccer is still very consistent year in and year out. Gotcha. I, I didn't know that about having that guy in the Premier League. Definitely something to brag about. That's like the kind of thing that, um, you know, a lot of times in football, college football teams' facilities, they'll have in some form or fashion their guys who have made it to the NFL displayed. I'm pretty sure that, you know, there's a Leeds at United jersey hanging in the Wake Forest soccer facility somewhere. Yeah, especially since we got the NFL. This is the only real, like, football league. You don't really right. hang out for the CFL. I mean, nah. college teams are hanging out for the MLS, but when you can get that one, I mean, Maryland had a few years. They had Zach Steffen, who just was loaned from Man City. So there were two college players in the um, Premier League. But now that just it's just Wake, that Premier League thing means a lot more. Saying our coach can point. Well, he grew up in England, but mm-hmm. he can point to be like, hey, this is you want to be like him. I I can help him. I help train him. I can help get you to where he you want to be, which is where he is right now. Yeah, definitely a great thing for recruiting. But that's a little bit too much on the men's side. But for the women's, I just what I said, they're consistent year in year out. They're not gonna win every single game like the men, but they're gonna play hard. They're gonna have, uh, I think they're gonna be a decent crowd there too, since Wake soccer thing is the like the only Wake Forest athletic thing that's on campus. So that's really good to help with Wake and people come out for the Wake soccer. So I think it's gonna be an, an it's gonna be an interesting environment for the Tigers that they don't really get too many people showing up maybe on a noon road game no. on Sunday. There might not be a single Auburn fan there. Never say never. Auburn fans travel pretty well, but still, I'm sure there's an Auburn fan in Winston Salem who will go. They're probably. I mean, there's Auburn's got a lot of people in Charlotte. Who knows? Maybe someone will be like a big so. Auburn, 
women's soccer person. But, yeah, I think it's going to be a rough challenge for them. So kind of moving on now, Auburn Volleyball kicks their regular season off tomorrow in the Panther Invitational over in Atlanta. The first game, guess what time it is tomorrow? 9 a.m., isn't it? Yes. That is a very interesting time to start a collegiate sporting event. Yes. And then they play Georgia State as well tomorrow and then Marist on Saturday. So last game. Oh, sorry, go ahead. And Belmont. <laughs> oh, and Belmont. Where... Did I miss one team? I did. Yeah. Oh. Darn. Well, it's anyhow, fine. this volleyball team has been interesting the past couple of years. You had the 2020 year where they kind of closed up shop early on that. There's, that's a nice way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then last year, just abysmal. Not yeah, as bad. Not as bad. I mean, they finished the season. I don't think it could have been any worse in 2020, but you got a few SEC wins last year. But then this year, um, right now, in the preseason poll, Auburn was projected to finish 13th in the SEC out of 14, only ahead of, excuse me, Alabama. Hey, th- that's 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 that's, that's, that's a win year? for some Auburn people. Hey, last year they were 14, so mm-hmm. look, just th- that's good. And the thing is, also, I heard this the other night at the uh, I was at the scrimmage, blue and go- um, blue and orange scrimmage. They have one of the youngest teams in D1 volleyball. There was like two up, there were like two seniors. Oh wow! And I didn't realize I didn't realize how short that bench is for volleyball. I thought there was gonna be more players, mm-hmm. but then I realized you only have like what six people on the court at the same time. Yeah. So, but still having that young experience, this may be another rebuilding ish year. We're getting them to the stage of like build them up. I mean, Kentucky, who won the SEC last year, is still the number one team to beat in the SEC this year for volleyball. But mm-hmm. and a little really, step. you you lose Bella Rosenthal, who was mm-hmm. undoubtedly your best player last year. Other than that. Or you also lose Elizabeth Reich, I think. Um, I haven't exactly looked at it. I probably should have, but I think it's. I think I think Auburn volleyball is still about two years away from competing for the SEC. I think so too. I think this will be another stepping stone year. Maybe they'll be more competitive next year, but we got to be aiming for more of that top fewer spots in the year after this, our junior senior year. One good thing to note, Fallon Lanham, who was a starter last year as a freshman, is back and is um, a starter again. And Chelsea Harmon, a girl who played with Coach Crouch at the University of Portland, transferred to Auburn. So she's a middle blocker, so already fits in with Coach Crouch, knows his system. So I think that'll be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a matter of how you're going to do in those non-conference games, how are they going to prepare for the SEC and can, what can you take away from this SEC season? Yeah. So I think that's good. We're going to head to PSA break a little early. That's going to do it for the Auburn volleyball talk. And it's always good to cover the non main sports, give them a little love. I mean, yeah, we did do Auburn. We did a whole special on Auburn baseball. So yeah, it's great we to did. get other non football basketball sports. Yes, sir. So when we come back, we have everyone's favorite Major League Baseball. This is the Eagles Nest with Daniel Locke and Griggs Blankenberg. Do not go anywhere. And welcome back into the Eagle's Nest. Once again, you're hanging out with Griggs, Blankenberg, and Daniel Locke here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Now let's get into it. We're going to talk about America's pastime. We're talking about Major League Baseball. But first, let's do this. We did this some last year. Let's run through a quick rundown of the standings real quick. We can throw in comments whenever we see fit here. Let's start it first. In the American League, in first place in the American League East, 
still are the New York Yankees. Yes, but that lead's not as tight as it was a few months ago. Yes, the Tampa Bay Rays are now seven and a half back of that. Is that within striking distance, do you think? What's this, August? Going into September, yes, but they need the Rays need a few more breaks to catch the Yankees to catch a few more bad luck streaks here and there, and they need to capitalize on that. And then also you have the Blue Jays who are eight games back, so they're only a half game behind the Rays in the American League East. Moving on now to what we said last week was the most competitive, going to be the most competitive division in baseball down the stretch. It's the American League Central. And first we have the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, and they are four games above both the Minnesota Twins and the Chicago White Sox. I said it last week. I'll say it again. That's a team that's definitely like been a pleasant surprise this year. I don't think many people gave them a chance. Um, I think I remember seeing they had like a point zero two, like a zero, yeah, like a less than a one percent chance of making the playoffs on opening day, and now they are likely going to be a divisional winner. Yeah, you had Jose Ramirez. That's still, <clears throat> excuse me, still pretty good. I mean that he's caught fire this year for them, but I think that division is still wide open. You got both the two, the second and third place team are only four games back. And we're almost done with August, so they still got a whole month left to catch up. Which the, and then maybe a series, and they'll have probably another series with Cleveland, so that'll dwindle that lead down by a whole number. So that could be very helpful for them. Yeah, um, that's what's going to take. And if you're the Royals or the Tigers, you don't really have much of a prayer. But if you're the Twins or the White Sox, no need to panic yet. And next up, we have the American League West. That is the most boring division in baseball. Uh huh. And with that, the Houston Astros are with a record of 80 and 45, the second best record in baseball. They have a 12 and a half game lead over the still pretty good this year team, but yeah. not nowhere near the Astros level at this point are the Seattle Mariners. That just makes the Astros record even more impressive since if you just look at that and see that, you know, the second place team in the division is 12 and a half games back. You would think like, okay, that second place team's probably pretty bad. Like, no, they're ten games above five hundred. Yeah, everyone else in that division is non-existent with a less than zero point one percent chance to make the playoffs. Moving on now, let's go to the National League. In first place, the East, still with the best lead in the East, but that is also dwindling pretty quickly. Are the New York Mets with a record of seventy-nine and forty-six? They are only now a game and a half above the defending world champion Atlanta Braves. This one's going to be an exciting finish. Um, I think they play each other towards the end of September in Atlanta, and I think it's going to come down to those three. I think they play the last series. I think that's the last series. Uh, I don't think so. Um, Let me check real quick. I think the Braves play like – I think they finish with the Nats. I'm not 100% sure, but I don't think that they finish yes, with Yes, you're other. correct. They do finish with the Nats. Or, no, the Mets finish with the Nats. Yeah, and the Braves finish with the Marlins. Okay. All right. There we go. So that's so. But the Braves' final, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. The Braves' final, like, 13 games are against NL East opponents. So those are going to be important. Mm-hmm. And moving on now to the Central, we have – in first place still, the St. Louis Cardinals with a record of 71-53. and 53. They are five and a half up on the Milwaukee Brewers. You know, Griggs, um, I feel like a lot of sports fans do this, whether they want to admit it or not. When your team's just kind of cooked for the year, you kind of pick one to ride with, like kind of like what you did with the Avalanche last year. 
Mm-hmm. I, th- I know you're going to hate this, but I think I'm riding with the Cardinals here to finish out the stretch. I don't think it's going to happen. I just don't. Better th- shot the, the world Sox. The ho- win the whole thing. Yeah, why not? <sighs> they have Montgomery in their pitching staff rotation. They have a better shot than the Red Sox. That is true. They do because the Reds, the Red Sox aren't winning their division currently at this point. But and you are? I'm kidding. I was pointing it out the fact. My goodness, but I don't think St. Louis's pitching is going to get in there. And then you got the old age. You have, mm-hmm. eh, you got Molina and Pujols that still decent for their age. Just a matter of can they produce in October once again sure. after playing that whole season? Sure. I don't think so. Why not? I don't think they're going to get out. I don't think they're going to win the division series. I don't. Th- no. They're going to make the division series, and they're going to face a team that's. You think that team is going to beat the Braves, Mets, or Dodgers to get out of the, out of the National League? If the 2019 Nationals can beat the 2019 Cardinals in a seven game series, I think anyone can beat anyone in the playoffs. Well, the Nationals also had Max Scherzer. Okay. I don't think that's going to happen. I think I think that's stupid to say that. I think the Cardinals. I think they'll lose in the division round, honestly. I didn't say I think they would, Griggs. I said that's who I'm riding with. I think you might have misunderstood me. Okay. Okay. Um, moving on now to the West. This one's pretty much wrapped up as it is. Any as it is, we have the in first place. We have the Los Angeles Dodgers with the best record in baseball at 86 and 37, and they are 19 and a half games above the San Diego Padres. I hate the Dodgers. That's really all I want to say about that. I think the Dodgers. I think it's gonna be. I think it would be electric if it was Dodgers, Mets, Dodge, Braves, Dodgers, to win for the National League Championship Series. Can you say that one more time? Either Mets or Braves versus the Dodgers in the National League Championship Series. I think that would go. I think that'd be a lot more competitive. Most people would just count it out, and count to the Dodgers. But if the Mets pitching keeps up with their top two starters throwing, winning those games, I think that could be a very interesting series. If there was some way to have, like, a Braves-Mets on NLCS, I'd personally like that. I always love division NLCSs. I feel like that could happen, though. With yeah. One of those teams is going to have to get the wild card. Right. I think that could definitely happen. I think it will somehow. And, you know, like, the Mets still have time in the Met. We still have over a month of baseball left. So they've avoided it all summer, but, you know. There's still four days of August, the whole month of September, and the first weekend of October. Fair enough, fair enough. Let's go on over now to the stat portion of this time. Let's start off with average, leading the mayor, leading the entire ma- a major league in average is Mr. Paul Goldschmidt of the St. Louis Cardinals with an average of uh, three, 335. Huh, I didn't hear you mention him when you were uh, counting out the Cardinals a few minutes ago. Yeah, I don't you think. You know who else they have? They have Arenado. Yeah, you're wearing a shirt right now. I sure am. True Red Sox fan. Um, it's who else not we like got? It's a rival. I mean, I'm not wearing. I don't really wear any other baseball team shirts. I went to visit their stadium, and my team was not present. Therefore, I supported them. That's my policy when going to road sporting events. You'll just root for whoever the, whoever the home team is. Yeah, why not? Okay, so if you go to Yankee Stadium and they're playing the Orioles, you're gonna you vote cheer for the Yankees. Honestly, at that, I'd probably just be neutral. Okay. If the A's were in town, I'd buy an A's shirt. So that's not always the rule of thumb I go by. Generally, that's why I go by. All right, Paul Goldschmidt leading American League, leading the whole league in batting average, leading the league in hits. We have Mr. Freddie Freeman 
first baseman for the Los Angeles Dodgers with 156 hits. And, of course, Chicks dig the long ball. Of course, leading the home run race still is Mr. Aaron Judge with 48 home runs. He's cooled down a little bit since the beginning of August, but he still is leading the home run race by a large margin over Philly's left fielder, Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, so it's hard to believe he has a 14 home run lead in that. I don't think anyone's catching him. Yeah, someone hits that many home runs with this. Someone hits more than 14. They'd have to hit 15 home runs and judge not the hat to hit any more in a month and five days and change. So, essentially, you're hitting a, about two or three home runs a week. And judge is, you know, cooling off drastically. I just don't see it happening. I don't see either. Leading the league in RBIs is also Aaron Judge, not by a large large margin as it was. He has 105. That is two more than Jose Ramirez, third baseman for the Cleveland Guardians, followed closely at 102 by Mr. Pete Alonzo of the New York Mets. And what else? What other major batting categories do we want to do? Um, we talk about hits. Yes, Freddie Freeman. Yeah, we talked about Freddie Freeman. Stolen bases. Let's just do that real quick. Uh, we have Joe Birdie, is that how you say it? John Birdie. John Birdie, sorry. I didn't see the N. John Birdie of the Miami Marlins with 30 stolen bases, followed by Jorge Mateo of the Baltimore Orioles, 28, and Ronald Acuna at 25 after just after missing early part of that this season. That's still pretty good for, yeah. for Ronnie to be up there after that. I feel like next year he's really going to be back. Hopefully, I mean that's what I'm hoping Braves. Because this is for. the worst year of Acuna's career, and he's still sit, still hitting 273. Like, that's not bad. That's above average for sure. Almost worst, good. Worst year of his career in what? Like year four? Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's move on to pitching now, real quick before we have to go to break again. Leading the majors in ERAs, Mr. Justin Verlander of the Houston Astros, with an ERA of 1.87. He, he just doesn't stop. He's not slowing down at all. I really thought that Big Poppy was going to take him out nine years ago. Nope. He's still going. They even pulled him in the middle of a no-hitter the other night. Do you see that? Yeah, I, I hate I that. I didn't know he was on a pitch count limit or anything like that. They just said yeah, He's an old man. He's an old man, but he's leading the ERA by like .3. You got to make sure his arm doesn't fall off. Yeah, true. That Houston Astros have large expectations this year for October with that as yeah. well. Leading off now, we have, let's go to strikeouts. Let me click that. Uh, Yes, strikeouts. Here we go. Leading the league in strikeouts is Mr. Corbin Burns for the Milwaukee Brewers with 190, followed closely by Mr. Garrett Cole with 189. And then also tied with them is Carlos Rodon for tied for second, one behind Burns as well with 189 strikeouts. Very close race here. Probably the closest race of anything we have looked at so far. Um, but one thing I always really like looking at is the K per nine stat, and that is led by Dylan Cease of the Chicago White Sox with 11.8, meaning essentially he he averages 11.8 strikeouts per nine innings. Moving on quickly to innings pitch, Mr. Sandy Alcantara of the Miami Marlins leads the league with 176 and two-thirds innings. The Yankees want this guy so bad, they and the Marlins have finally smarted up. Yeah, just didn't they knew what they're worth, and the Yankees didn't give them, so they didn't sell short. So good for the Marlins with that. Yes, 
And the next up is Miles Mikolas of the St. Louis Cardinals with 164 innings, followed by him closely is Mr. Logan Webb of the San Francisco Giants. Look at number five, Griggs. Or number two. I know. Yeah, St. Louis Cardinals. Cool. Yeah. I just said they're not going to beat the Dodgers because they're playing Maybe. teams like the Reds. They might the, not they're playing play teams the like the, they're playing the teams like the Reds and the Cubs more times than any other team. And then the they might not have to play Pirates and all of them. So I hope your pitchers would be able to do well against those three teams. I think that the Dodgers might choke. Get beat by someone else. Mm-hmm. Leave the door wide Still open. Still the NL East, though. I don't think. I don't think a central team is going to do anything right, in the postseason. Moving on, um, we have a three-way tie for wins. Verlander, uh, Tony Gosselin from the Dodgers, and Kyle Wright from the Braves, all with 16. Moving over to losses, Patrick Corbin with the most at 17. That's brutal. Yeah, and Bumgarner, too. Fall from grace, but still, he's he's old now, so. Yeah, he's not what he was. Going to saves real quickly, we have a four-way tie. For first place in saves, we have Emmanuel Classe of the Cleveland Guardians, Josh Hader of now the San Diego Padres, Kenley Jansen of the Atlanta Braves. That's still weird to say. Yeah. That's still weird to see. And then Taylor Rogers of Milwaukee with 29. When the the Brewers had to have one of the best close, closing duos in baseball if you had Hader and uh, Rogers both at 29 saves. I don't think Hader's recorded a save yet for the Padres, so that's all no. been with the and then just kind of going into my, what I personally think is one of the most underrated stats in baseball holds. That is when a relief pitcher comes in and the lead is still either the same or the deficit hasn't shrunk since he has come in. Uh, Zach Johnson of the Oakland Athletics leads the way there in 26. Devin Williams of the Milwaukee Brewers and Brad Boxberger of the Milwaukee Brewers are in second and third with 25 and 23, respectively. And then Mr. Reliable for the Atlanta Braves, A.J. Minter, with 22. Interesting. Yeah, interesting little end of that baseball thing. Uh, Complete. uh, Yeah, the whole thing, like you said, it's kind of weird seeing a Nationals player be at the top, and they've just been abysmal this year, really. But you can easily have a bright spot on a bad team, for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, I think that's going to be about it for the first half of the baseball segment. 15 more minutes of baseball talk coming your way right after this. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke, alongside me, Griggs Blankenberg. For the first 45 minutes of the show, we've talked about Auburn football, Auburn soccer and volleyball, and Major League Baseball. Now we have 15 more minutes of Major League Baseball coming, or actually it's more like 13 uh, actually, now it's 12. 12 more minutes of Major League Baseball coming your way. <laughs> and um, then we will get on with the show with other things. But we're going to talk about the best games tonight, tomorrow, Saturday, and Sunday. And I feel like tonight is pretty easy. St. Louis at Chicago. That's going to be that's gonna be a loss for the Cubs. That's not going to work. Uh, actually, I take that back. Uh, no offense. I think uh, White Sox at Baltimore and Cleveland at Seattle. I didn't see those. Oh, you're, we talking about better game, best games tonight? Yeah, I saw that and I was like, oh, oops. Mm-hmm. yeah, but, not the Cubs. Definitely not the Cubs. Even though Dakota Hudson versus Marcus Stroman's an interesting. That's the, that's not tonight. That's like that's in a few hours. Oh yeah, one twenty. We know uh, tonight. Um, yeah, I think it's gonna be Cleveland at Seattle. I think that's the best game going in. It Tristan McKenzie versus Marco Gonzalez on the mound. Get into that for six bucks. 
Yeah, according to ESPN. I don't I don't think how are what ticket site do they even use? Vivid seats. Okay, I thought it was some randomer one than that. Nah. But that's I'm a, not a big Vivid Seats guy. I've bought I'm tickets not. from Vivid Seats approximately once. It was that uh, Hornets game I went to with you and your brother. And there's also like the most expensive random basketball uh, tickets you ever got. Them. Is I got them off Vivid Seats, right? But they came through Ticketmaster. Well, because Ticketmaster runs everything. So that's why I, I bought concert tickets. The only time I've used Vivid Seats is the one time I bought concert tickets off there. And then they got transferred me through a Ticketmaster thing. So basically, Ticketmaster. I usually use Ticketmaster just because I don't want to get scammed. Yeah, Ticketmaster's like, that's the official one. It may be a little teams. bit more, but I'm not going to get scammed. So I know True. I'll go. Um, What else? We thinking tonight. Yeah, that's what I got for tonight. Even though Chris Archer versus Luis Garcia is pretty good, I think. Yeah, I'll probably tune into that one a little bit. Moving on now to Friday. Best matchup of Friday. Let me look through this real quick. Cleveland at Seattle for sure. Atlanta at St. Louis. San Fran at Minnesota. Um, Baltimore at Houston. Um, yeah, Baltimore and Houston is the one I was looking at. You have Lance McCullers going on the mound and pretty good this year. Yeah. Um, who else did I think? Um, Jose Quintana. Wow, that's a name I've not heard in a few, a little while. Starting tonight for the Cardinals. He's been everywhere, man. He's he really been, has. Been the White Sox, the Cubs, the Cardinals. He's done it all. And then you have uh, San Fran versus Minnesota. You got Alex Wood tonight, Charlotte guy. I remember him, his name. He went to high school near me. Bless you. Thank you. Yeah, but Friday and Thursday, eh, or eh, kind of days. Even I think Saturday picks it up. That you want to read it through Saturday some? Sure. So some of the highlights here, um, Tampa at Boston, just being selfish there. Um, there's, I think there's a clear-cut number one game. Baltimore at Houston's a good one. Atlanta at St. Louis. Cleveland at Seattle. What do you think is the number one game? Angels, Toronto. Shohei versus Manoa. That is good. I think that's going to be a that's really good ESPN game. That's the ESPN Plus game. That's going to be a really good game. Manoa's... And by far the day's most expensive ticket. Oh, yeah. I think Man- Manoa's been shoving this year. He's been great. And then Otani, I think the Blue the Blue Jays may win that game, but then the Angels will give up. Uh Otani will go like six innings, one run given up, two hits, six strikeouts, and then he'll hit a home run himself, but then they'll still lose. That's the typical stat line now that people joke about with them. So now we've done the best game for every day for this weekend. Let's go through the worst game of every day for this weekend. Let's start with Thursday. Yeah, okay, so. We didn't even talk about Sunday yet. Oh, yeah, that's right. Let's do Sunday good game, then we'll go Thursday bad. Um, What do we got here? Look at the pitching matchups real quick. Zach Plezak versus Luis Casillo in the Guardians Mariners. That's that's what I'm going with. Mm-hmm. Or Alex Cobb versus Sonny Gray in the San Fran uh, Minnesota game. I like Atlanta at St. Louis too. That's an interesting one. Oh yeah, Charlie Morton and Jordan Montgomery. Mm-hmm. But the F Scherzer on the mound, even though it may not be as competitive, it's always fun to see that. Um, but yeah, okay. Let's do worst. We've never really done this one before. Worst games of this week, starting with today. All right, so definitely I'm just going to kind of go through them all real quick. Then we, Once we listed all the terrible games off, we can decide which is the worst. L.A. at Tampa Bay is pretty bad. Um, Cincinnati at Philadelphia. Colorado at New York. And then New York Yankees at Oakland A's. I think I think Yankees Oakland just because Oakland's been terrible. They're playing in the Coliseum. Yeah, and, then and the that Yankees... is today's cheapest ticket at five dollars. 
even in the Yankees, you think when the Yankees come to town, you'd be able to sell some more tickets? I don't think anyone wants to go there. I think it's just gotten so bad. They either need to get that ball, that riverfront ballpark that I've seen pictures of there. It's going to be cool. Yeah, I think it's like called. Uh... Just think about it. Oakland's had three, two major sports teams leave. You had all right next to each other. Too. You had that. the Raiders leave the stadium that you're currently in, and then next door you had the Warriors leave from Oracle. Mm-hmm. And the war, the Warriors are still kind of around, but they're not in Oakland. They're in San Fran. They even have San Fran on the court. Yeah, I don't. I didn't really know. What, I didn't think Oracle was that old to begin with. Uh, they saw their opportunity for a real plush arena and ran with it. Fair enough with that. And then the, they had that. I mean, the first year the arena was open, then they had the COVID problems. True. So no one really got to see that, but yeah, I'd probably say Warriors. So New York at Oakland. Mm-hmm. I think Thursday's that's first game. So Saturday, just some kind of runner-ups here: L.A. at Miami, Cincinnati at Washington, mm-hmm. um, Colorado and New York again, Detroit at Texas. Ooh, ooh. I was gonna say I was gonna say Cincinnati, Washington is the clear-cut worst game, but then you just said Detroit at Texas. It's either Cincinnati, Washington, or Detroit and Texas. Uh, Mike Miner versus Cade Cavilli in the Reds versus Nats game. And then in the Detroit-Texas game, you have Tyler Alexander versus Glenn Otto. I'm going to be honest, I've never even heard of Glenn Otto before. Me neither. Sounds like a random creative player. It will be the show know, will come right? up with like three years and they're like a career getting drafted. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Detroit at Texas. This is the worst game. I just Texas has already waved the white flag for this year, as most teams at this point already have. But In the day's cheapest ticket, once again, is New York at Oakland. You can get into this one for Ooh, it's $4. Tied. It's tied with oh. guaranteed rate field. Oh, wow. But Garrett Cole's on the mound on one. You'd think that'd drive it up to about 7. It's still Oakland. Uh, fair enough. Moving on now to Saturday. Worst game. Let's look through this real quick. Um, hmm. What are we thinking? Uh, Cincinnati at Washington. This one. Luis Sessa versus pa- Paolo Espino. Mm-hmm. 12 bucks. That's a ripoff for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's definitely the one. I was thinking maybe New York, but nah. Versus Oakland again, but nah, I got that one is what you just said. And then Sunday, let's um This is interesting. Um I think I'm gonna go Detroit to Texas again. I am going to go with Ooh. This is tough. Okay. After careful deliberation, I'm going to go with, yeah, Detroit at Texas. Um, Drew Hutchinson versus Cole Rasians. That That's pretty bad. And with that, Detroit at Texas has been named the Eagles Nest worst series of the week. Yeah, th- that's terrible. Um, you can probably get a ticket for all four games for probably about twenty bucks. Yeah, that'd be fair. I'm excited to watch it. I kind of like watching bad teams play. It's just unpredictable. Teams have already kind of thrown in the white flag. You just never know what you're gonna get. Before we get to break in the next couple minutes, let's go through some of the MLB news that we have coming up. Uh, Tatis has said he's gonna get shoulder surgery. I think that's really a pity thing just to get back the trust of the San Diego people. They're wanting him to get surgery for a minute now, and that way they don't really have anything to blame on him being not there, and he can try to regain some trust by taking the surgery that they recommended to him. 
Then next, a lot of White Sox fans are tar- starting to turn on Tony De La Rosa. Well, that should be expected by now. Yeah, he's, they had a meeting yesterday about cockiness. He needed to go out on a high when he won with the Cardinals. There was no need for him to continue to do that to coach. Now I don't know why they brought him back. Yeah, um, the Yankees sweeping the Subway Series is surprising. That was just two games, though. Yeah, sure. They uh, those were the postponed ones, I think, too. Mm-hmm. So that's nothing to that's nothing to worry too much about for the Mets. I don't think so either. Um, at this point, the MLB, we're getting to the point where people are just ready for the playoffs. So, excuse me, just kind of riding out the stretch here. I'm excited for September. I feel like it's going to be an interesting month. Especially in that, I think especially in the Central and then the NL East, I think it's going to be really exciting in the AL Central. So, mm-hmm. Very interested to see who is going to come out on top. And that is going to do it for the Major League Baseball talk this week. When we come back, let's see, what is up next? Either F1 or college football. We will let Noah Phillips decide. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. He returns next. And welcome back into the Eagles Nest, everybody. You're back with Griggs and Daniel. And our first guest of this school year, welcoming in Mr. Noah Phillips. Noah, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, considering we got woken up last night by a fire alarm? You you were already asleep during that? I was about to be. I had, like, put my head on my pillow, taking my shirt off, everything. <laughs> I was I was playing Xbox at that point. Oh, I turned I, my PS3 off. And I was just... Yeah, I was just sitting there and just all of a sudden just go off at the second. But people don't know what we're talking about. Me and Noah live in the same apartment building. We hit our second fire alarm of the week, so that was very fun. Yeah, probably gonna be three by the end of the week. Oh, I hope not. You gotta, you gotta just deal with it, man. Yeah, deal with it. But now we are back. We are talking, not full week yet, but call triple is semi back this week. We have some interesting matchups, just to say the least, this week. Starting off with the. An interesting one, we have Nebraska at Northwestern in Dublin, Ireland. Tickets are as low as $63. I don't know if that's Euro or how many Euros is that or anything like that. It's just $63. That's just so <laughs> That's so random. Usually we like Notre Dame or something to go to Ireland or something like that. No, this time we got Nebraska. And Northwestern, we have the big we have the big noon Saturday in Ireland. For the historic matchup that is Nebraska versus Northwestern. Both these teams aren't even ranked, I believe. None of the teams who play in Week 0 are ranked this week, at least. Oh, that's terrible. Didn't last year we had, like, Clemson playing Georgia? Wasn't that a Week 0 game? No, that was Week 1. That was Week 1? Ah. Week 1 and Week 0 are interesting. People mix them up all the time, but... Yeah, that first game of college football year though is Austin Pay versus or is at Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky will play Auburn later on this season, so we get a little early sneak peek of the Hilltoppers. Yeah, and who's going to win that? If we paid attention to either of these teams, I'm going to take Western Kentucky Mm. by by three, just because they're at home. Don't don't know anything about the team, but I'm going to take them because they're at home. I'm taking them because their mascot is. Really, have you ever seen their mascot? No, I have not. Look over the picture. It's pretty funny. This Western Kentucky mascot is very funny. Oh, God. I misspelled Western Kentucky like five times. 
All right, I have rejoined the party. I have gotten our monitor here fixed. Had to troubleshoot, do some technical difficulties. <laughs> That's what I get paid for. Uh, Noah just saw the, the Hilltopper mascot. Was this an NCAA 14? Why have I never, like, was this on mascot mode? I think it was. Oh, I got. I know what I'm doing tonight. I'm I'm playing some mascot matchup. Wait, that's actually it. Mm-hmm. I yeah, that big was red. A joke. No, that's real. Why isn't it a hilltopper? I don't know, man. It's big red. What is a hilltopper? You. Is that not a hilltopper? No. Daniel? What What is a hilltopper then, Daniel? You. I just said that. Oh, I'm a hilltopper. Yeah, try listening for a change. My, my bad. Oh, ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh, hater. Hater's gonna hate. Absolutely right. Next up, we have the absolute barn burner that is UConn at Utah State. Wait, wait, did I miss uh, Nebraska Northwestern? Yeah, you did. Oh, dang it. Do you want to share I... your spots on it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so Nebraska is a substantial favorite, right? Yes. All right. Well, Very much so. That's, that's a rhetorical question, Griggs. But it's uh, at Northwestern, talk. though. It's in Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> it's the home team, Daniel. You're missing oh. the point. <laughs> Whatever. No, Nebraska by like 40. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to um, go with UConn, Nebraska. Utah State. FS1? This game got FS1 coverage? Wow. That's that's elite. What else is going to be on FS1? Major Daniel? League Baseball. Ah, good point, good point. But good it's point. football. Football is football's back. And no, fo- this fo- is not football. Football's king. People are going to watch college football no matter who it is. I'm going to watch Wyoming versus Illinois just because it's football. Man, some people just don't have lives. Man, we've just been getting dissed back and forth over here by this. I man. didn't say we y'all. I just said some people. Wow. Woke up angry today. Yeah. No, I woke up very happy. Mm. Did a fire alarm go off in your apartment too? <laughs> no, I just didn't sleep good. Wyoming at I already alluded to it. Wyoming at Illinois. That's going to be in Champaign. That's on the Big Ten Network. Shout out Rick. Shout out my uncle Rick. I love Rick. Tickets he's, as low as fifteen dollars. Let's go. Beast. Um. I think Illinois, I think this is going to be a good year for Illinois. I think last year they were very close to bowl eligibility. I think they're going to get to that 6-6 six and six this year. Oh, is that a big thing? That's a huge thing for Illinois football. Let's go. Yeah. I've got Wyoming. You do? Yeah, I do. They're not even favored in this. I don't give – okay. Illinois is an 11-point favorite. They're Great. playing at long, uh, Illinois, too. Cool. It's Illinois. All right. Illinois. No, I want you to hear you say that. It's Illinois. Illinois. Thank you. Whatever. Illinois. No, I want this no. next. One. My dad says, "Don't bring the noise." Don't I want this it. next one. <laughs> Fine, you know how to pronounce this one. I do. So the Duquesne Dukes—they uh, have a 0.5 percent chance of going down to Tallahassee and beating the Florida State Seminoles just two days' time after the Auburn Tigers women's soccer team goes into Florida State and beats the Florida State Seminoles. So I think it'd be so funny if FSU lost two back-to-back games. Opening I think they lose to Duquesne. I don't think they I are. I think they are too. But it'd be hey, let's very go. All right, everyone pick Duquesne. No, that's on. That's don't tell you all these because you don't know who you got picks later on. So oh shoot, my fault. We've only done one of those games so far. So hey, right, my bad. But down. Duquesne, yes. Tickets as low as seventeen dollars. We could go. Yeah. Next up, we have the Charlotte 49ers taking on the Florida Atlantic Owls. I believe that's going to be in Boca Raton, Florida, this weekend, six p.m. You know who else is going to be in Boca Raton, Florida, this weekend? I'm tired of these. What? Tim McGraw. <coughs> Oh, I thought you were, I was expecting something else, but yeah. that's wow. interesting. Why is this game on CBS? Again, Noah, it's just football, and football's back, so just whatever. And the next up, we have an absolute crazy matchup. We have the Florida A&M taking on the North Carolina Tar Heels 
in Chapel Hill. That's going to be 7:15 on the ACC network. Yeah, if North Carolina loses this, they got some serious problems. They're a basketball school. It don't matter. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, what else? We have two, three more games. Uh, North Texas taking on UTEP. That's going to be in El Paso on Saturday night at 8 p.m. Nope. I've got the mean green. You get the mean green. I don't even. It doesn't even have a TV network listed next to it, so I don't. Probably because it's not going to be televised. Bro, it's football. They have to be televised. So no, it does not. It's probably on YouTube or somewhere like that. Tickets are as low as seventeen dollars. Are you going to do that for every game? I am. I'm. I'm trying to get tickets, dog. You're trying to go to El Paso this weekend. You know how much that's going to yeah. cost. You know how much that's going to cost. Seventeen dollars for a ticket. Yeah, and I get, what, and what it's pretty your, nice seats too. What about your gas and/or plane ticket? El Paso, dog. That's like twelve hours at least, probably more. Exactly, Definitely more. Exactly, but you know, I, I I can like get to know people, you know, on the way over there. Probably get my hotel paid for and stuff like that. Amen. Okay. All right. Moving on. Next, we have Nevada at New Mexico State. That's going to be in New Mexico. That's going to be at nine p.m. on ESPN two. Um, I do not really research a lot of these matchups enough. Let me look at this. Nevada is a heavy favorite in this one. Uh, minus nine. I'm taking New Mexico State. I they they got to win. I'm going to take New Mexico State to cover. I think Nevada's still going to win, but I think New Mexico covers that nine. New Mexico State covers that nine points. This one's hard to predict. If it weren't for the whopping of UMass, or not really whopping, but just the 44-27 win over UMass, um, the New Mexico State Aggies have lost four in a row. So, granted, two of those are SEC schools, and one of them is Hawaii. And the other is Utah State, so not the worst teams in the world. But I'm going to go with the Wolfpack. Yeah, but you got to think it's a new season. Oh my God. New season for the New Mexico State mascots. I don't know what. <laughs> Aggies. Aggies. All right. And finally, the one we've all been waiting for, 9:30 on CBS. It's Vanderbilt versus Hawaii. You going to this, Noah? Yes, I am. Tickets are as low as fifty dollars. That's in, a... in the Clarence TC Athletics Complex. In no, Honolulu. no, finish the name. The Clarence TC what athletic complex? I'm not. I don't know how to pronounce that. <laughs> At least we got SEC football, man. Yeah, SEC football. SEC is back. <laughs> Vanderbilt versus the Rainbow Warriors. SEC is back. People think it's going to be next week. Georgia versus Oregon. No. Everyone's missing the this non-conference battle, the Com- Commodores versus the Rainbow Warriors. Daniel, stop snapping me and sit your butt down. Get this out. is a Both absolute great. Get out. This is gonna be an amazing uniform combo game. You got the Rainbow Warriors versus the Vanderbilt and Does all Vanderbilt, their goals. Vanderbilt um, bring out a new uniform with their new logo. I don't know. That was a stupid logo change. They probably did. It's probably on the oh, helmet. Looks Hawaii, terrible. Hawaii is the projected favorite on ESPN's football power index to win this, but Vanderbilt is the spread consensus pick, with Vanderbilt right now being an eight and a half point favorite. I don't know how that works, but it's because ESPN's FPI is one of the most. Um, how do I put this politely? Um, hmm. Idiotic uh, pieces of software I've ever seen in my life. So, if you don't take Vandy in this, you are dumb. I'm taking Hawaii, and here's what. This is not one of our he who's back picks, and here's why I'm taking this. Look at that, Daniel. They lost in San Diego State last year, 17-10. to 10. 
Uh-huh. It was so close. Vanderbilt, they don't. You know, Vanderbilt's last close game was against South Carolina. That was like Ole Miss, thirty-one seventeen. It's only for Vandy. That's good. For, well, that's still a two-score game. It's Vanderbilt. It's still. They were. They were. Hawaii was within one score of a top twenty-five team. Ole Miss was in two scores of a top twenty-five team. Anything can happen. A top fifteen. Anything team. can happen at the Hawaii Dome or whatever they call it's it. It's not even a dome. Anything can happen at the bowl. It's an athletics complex. Anything sir. can happen at the complex. Well, because well, time difference. Time difference. That's why I'm picking Hawaii. Time difference. The thing you got to realize though is that Vanderbilt plays SEC teams. Hawaii plays. Uh, Teams like UNLV in their conference. Well, you know, Vanderbilt loses SEC games. It doesn't matter. Well, they're still playing them. They've not played them yet this year. They, do it, they did it last you year. Know what, that is one thing. That That's a good point Griggs made, that uh, Hawaii will be playing this game at you know 10.30 Eastern time, essentially the time when they're probably wrapping things up for tonight, and then they have like, the time that their bodies are used to starting the game. It's Hawaii. just very thrown off. So if Hawaii wins, it'll be because of time difference. But Vanderbilt needs to win to show SC dominance. It's not, it's not going to happen, but okay. Yeah, I'm taking Hawaii with this one. They're going to win this one. Um, any quick college football news before we go? Um, well, we already talked about Auburn. They've yet to name a starting quarterback. Uh, Pitt names USC transfer Keenan Slovis as their starting quarterback. He'll be replacing ACC Player of the Year Kenny Pickett at Pitt. Hard shoes to fill. Exactly, and they lose their best wide receiver. So let me ask you guys this. Do you think that we are going to see college football game day on the Plains week three? No. Can I tell you why, though? I would like that, yes. that's. Let me, look at the, let me look at the schedule for week three first, and then I'll tell you for 100%. Week three. If they, they, they've, not yet, they've announced week two, not week three yet. Um, Where's week two? I feel like they already announced it. Hold on. i got to look that up before we go to break. Are they in Dublin for week zero? No, we uh for week one they're doing two game days. They're doing the Pitt yeah. game and then they're doing the Ohio State game. Yeah, I knew that. Could you imagine though if they were in Dublin? That'd be five. That would be hilarious because there would be there would be no like people around them. Oh, week week two is Alabama Texas. Oh yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Week yeah week two is Alabama at Texas. Week three. Let me look at this real quickly. BYU um, and Oregon, maybe. Uh. That's in. Yeah. It's a Fox mid-afternoon game. I don't know. Let's see. I'm really not seeing anything that's like. I'm not seeing anything too great besides what Noah said. B- if BYU and Miami, Oregon and Texas State, yeah, M- M- that's what I was about Miami, to say. Yeah, my. I think. I think it's gonna be Miami, Texas A&M. But here's really. The re- you think that over here's, Auburn, Penn State? Here's the reason why I don't think it's Auburn, Penn State. It's because they did that last year. They did the exact same game, but swap locations last year. So. And then well, A&M also has a lot more hopes. Like, if A&M and Miami both win their first couple games, it's going to be a top top 15 matchup. Plus, it's on ESPN. It's on an ESPN network, too. That is very helpful for that. ESPN 1. True. But I think LSU's, or the Penn State games will be a close second, maybe third. Well, according BYU. to that logic, why not Ole Miss Georgia Tech? That's on ABC. Well, they're both not ranked. That's another point we made. What do you mean they're both not ranked? Ole Miss is ranked. I said they are both. Both. Both, yeah, both not both, ranked. as Shannon Sharp once said. Well, A and M is ranked, and so is Miami. How yeah, Miami's and so ranked? Will 16th? Auburn be, and so will Penn State. What? Well, they they will be. 
Auburn's not going to be ranked after beating two no-names. I think they will. They were last year. Ooh, kill him. He's stunned. He's silent. He's yeah, gone. I'm stunned because I don't know how to like, respond to that. Daniel, but here's, just, hold on, Griggs. One second, buddy. Hold on. Do not I'll, buddy I'll help me. you out. One thing that, you know, that's literally a fact. Okay, so I don't know why. <laughs> the fact that Auburn was ranked last year going into the Penn State yeah, game. Yeah, because everybody thought Auburn no-names. was going to be good. Who? No, you got to wait until we're done. Nope, now you're all. All right, guys, it is just Daniel Locke in the studio, like the good old days back when the Eagles Nest was factual. All right, we're going to bring these two. We're going to bring these two. Buff- that's because that's there was way less episodes. D- don't pat yourself on the back too much. Anyway, these guys are so annoying. I don't know why they're on my show. So, college football is going to be on the planes week three. And with that, we're 30 seconds over, so we're going to go to break. This is the Eagle's Nest with Daniel Locke, and we will be right back. Notice how I said just Daniel Locke. Welcome back into the Eagle's Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Unfortunately, Griggs and Noah are still here being annoying. I know, it sucks. Yeah, we're annoying because we're right. (laughs) No, you're not. Exactly. No, you were literally arguing over me about something that was factual. So I don't know what your problem is. Anyways, now we're going to get into something that has gotten pretty popular in the United States recently, Formula One racing. So, yeah, just get into it. Let's go for it. Noah, our time to shine, boy. Heck yeah. This week, we're back. A month after a month of no racing, we are finally back this weekend. Spa. One of the most storied tracks, besides maybe Monaco, on on the schedule. I'd say that, one of those. It's like... uh, Belgian, or excuse me, Monaco, Belgian, and uh, British. Yeah. Those are the top three. They might be trying to take two of those three away. Well, they better not take Monaco away. Better, I, I, will, I will go to Europe myself. Ugh, I, I, I wouldn't care. wish that on you. I'm sorry. <laughs> What's wrong with going to Europe? I don't know. America's kind of cool. We have the most F1 races out of any country. Exactly. Yeah, why would you want to go anywhere We're else? about to have one in every time zone for America. Oh, except really? um, except Mountain cool. West. No, we'll, we'll eventually figure out a way to do that. The Denver Grand Prix. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll race uh, around the Coliseum like NASCAR does. <laughs> no, the, the that's not. I hate to break it to you. Um, that's Pacific time? Mountain West? Yeah, we just brought yeah, that up. Yeah, I know. They got Las Vegas, Miami, and they but, got no, the, uh, Texas. The, the example you just gave is a Pacific time zone place. We need yeah. one in the Mountain West. So we got yes. the Denver Grand Prix. Oh, okay, yeah. The Denver yeah. Grand Prix. The, Wal- the Waltons will make it happen. They just bought the Broncos. And Lewis Hamilton's a part owner of the Broncos. During summer break, you all see that, Noah? Yeah, I did see that. Let's ride. Let's ride. Uh, going into a little recap before we talk more about this weekend, Max Verstappen leads the Drivers' Championship by 80 points over Charles Leclerc, and Red Bull is now <laughs> leading the Constructors' Championship by Plus, 97. Mm-hmm. Are you a bandwagon for this guy? Be honest. It's okay if you want. No. Right. No. Right. no. Just no. making sure. Just making sure. No. He's been my favorite for a while now. All right. Just because just er, he's having him a and, him and, here. Him and someone else we've, we're about to talk about in a little bit are my favorites. But, yeah, Red Bull lead the Constructors' Championship by 97 points over Ferrari. After Ferrari at one point had a, I think, 30-point lead over Red Bull. Maybe even more. After, yeah, they had a, more than a 30-point lead at the beginning of the season because they started off with a 1-2 and Red Bull had two DNFs. Well. As a Ferrari fan, you know, it sickens me to my stomach because we, we don't know how to strategize for anything when I can go on F1 Manager and do a decent strategy for a race. You know, it's not that hard. You just got to put them on softs, maybe hards, 
You just got to do something. Whatever Ferrari has right now, they just need to fire them, go out and look for somebody. I'm sure there are some great strategists being made over there in the Samuel Gen College of Engineering here at Auburn University. So do you all think we ever see an American-born driver? Oh, yeah. It's going to happen. Oh, uh, American-born oh. is one. Mario Andretti. Exactly. But there's no one right now. Yes, but coming soon. That's Eventually. Colin Herta or Sargent are coming soon. Where's he from? I forgot where he's Herta from. Well, either yeah. way, it's because, like, F1 hasn't really been popular in America. I was just asking a question, Noah Phillips. Well, no, I'm just either. trying to explain why there's no American driver in there right now. Well, yeah, um... So do you think if there's an American driver, it'll start selling uh, hot dogs at F1 races? I hope so. I mean, they already sell. They have Texas. They have the Texas race. Exactly. Yeah, they have Texas. No, I mean in Europe. They're gonna put sauerkraut on it. Ew. Especially if we finally get a Germany Grand Prix, which hopefully will happen. But especially, huh. I think I think Seb's gonna start pushing for that in his retirement, maybe a little more. Especially, you think Seb? You think Michael would have pushed for an, a Grand Prix in Germany during that time? It's just. Yeah, but you think he – it's because – I think it's because uh, the only German Grand Prix that they could have had it at failed to live up to standards. Mm-hmm. And people are trying really hard to get that uh, circuit back up to standard. Uh, let me look up the name so of it because I just have a terrible – But to answer Daniel's question a little earlier, there are two currently F one dri- potential American F1 drivers. You have Colton Herta right now who is racing an Indy car. He is from – Santa Cl- uh, Santa Clara, California. Hey, you know who else is in IndyCar? Who? Jimmy Johnson. Fair enough. Will Jimmy Johnson be an F1? Probably not. He's way too old. Way too old. <laughs> but yeah, Colton Herta. He's the now. He's doing some test stuff with McLaren. That's not going to happen this. Eh, it could happen this year. They still have not signed Piaster yet. But you know, they'll probably go to F2 though. His name's Piaster. Piastri. Piastri. Yes. Huh. And then the other American who has a chance is Logan Sargent. He is currently in Formula 2. That's a nice name. Mm-hmm. He nice is from American Fort name. Lauderdale, Florida. Oh, nice place. Great so those place. are the two potential next-of-kin American drivers. I want that guy. Logan Sargent? Yeah. He's cool. the most likely to be next since yeah. he's already in F2. We also need a Grand Prix in Fort Lauderdale. Dude, we need two yeah, Florida yeah. races. Forget two American races. We need two Florida races. So, Noah, what do you want more? Do you want one in all four time zones or another one in Florida? I think it would be funnier in all if it was another one in Florida. Uh, yes, I think we should do the two in Florida and then the one in Las Vegas. Uh, that would, I mean, would, and, and if we could go to Watkins Glen again, that would be amazing. It would be pretty cool to see a track that, like literally like, cut through to Rocky Mountain. <laughs> just so. make them race around in Bristol. Just go no, we should the- just go to Ayrton, Alabama, where I'm from, and just race down County Road 11. I've never met someone so proud of you from a small Alabama town than you. Well, you know what? We try, you know. All right. That's great. But, yes, this weekend, let's get back on track. We have Spa, the Belgian Grand Prix. Last year, Max Verstappen won in heavy rain. I think it said, when I was reading the race recap, it was the shortest F1 race ever due to heavy rain. <laughs> that and sucks. You know, well, you know what else would happen? Mr. George Russell in a Williams <laughs> got his first ever podium finishing P2. I, they didn't talk about this. I remember this. They didn't talk about this at all on Drive to Survive. You'd think Williams getting a P2 in a race would have caused F- them to make a whole episode on it. You think that would have happened, and I think it would have happened if it was on, if it was more than one lap. Because if you remember, it was literally just the one lap they uh, drove around behind a safety car. It was like, well, <laughs> it's raining too hard to run an actual race. Uh, so we'll just give everybody half points, and uh, we'll, we'll see you all next weekend. <laughs> but still uh, – 
second place for second place for Williams has got to be one of the highlights for them in the past what ten oh, that, years. That's the highlight of the like their well, not their career. Yeah, they used to be they used to, used to be a story team, and then yeah, back in like the sixties. Fair enough. And then Lewis got P three, but this week. It's going to be an interesting one. You have all this stuff that's happened over the summer break. You've had the Piastri debacle. Now you got Mr. Unfortunately, Daniel Ricciardo is no longer going to be with McLaren after this year. They have come to an agreement to separate. And in his press release, he's been saying like how he wants to stay in F1, and I completely understand that. I do too. It's very nice in F1. But at the same time, please come to America. Please come to IndyCar, Daniel Ricciardo. <laughs> oh, Please huge. give IndyCar some sort of star power because that series hey, wait, needs I got it. it. I got it. Hey, I got it. Noah, Griggs, what if we traded Jimmy Johnson for Daniel Ricciardo? No, Jimmy's too old. Jimmy's tried to already ra- No Bro, one cares. McLaren is not taking Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> sure they are. <laughs> Jimmy Johnson's like 50. Sure, that's a good age. Not for The oldest F1 driver is like 35. Jesus. And <laughs> Jimmy Johnson can't drive a. Who's forty two now? Is Verstappen forty two? No, Verstappen's one. And then when he's not, if he did, before he won, he was uh thirty three. Oh yeah, yeah. Plus Jimmy Johnson's forty eight. I can't even think. Lewis is forty two. Lewis is forty two. There you go. Yeah, yeah, come on, Noah. Jimmy Johnson hasn't drove. Oh, wait, no, Lewis is forty four. Yeah, I don't know why I said forty two. What is Jim- Jimmy Johnson's forty eight? Jimmy Johnson's right? yes. forty eight. Okay, yeah, because Alex Bowman drives forty eight now. Okay. Yep. Alex Bowman. Daniel Ricardo and NASCAR would be the greatest thing ever. Though. Put him in the three. Take Austin Dillon out. Put him in the Intimidator. Paint it all black, and I guarantee you we, we will sell more tickets to NASCAR events ever. They should have retired to three. Prove me yeah, wrong. Yeah, I think they should. I they, think- they were going to, but then it was like, ah, we, we don't really have the money for that because NASCAR. That doesn't cost anything. Well, everyone just starts gravitating towards the three more and more, which means more merchandise and stuff towards that. Yeah, true. Plus, you know, after Dale Earnhardt's death, NASCAR like took one of the yeah. biggest tanks any sporting uh, company took. Yeah, early two thousands, like before that happened, it was huge. But um, I think NASCAR needs to be treating it more as like, hey, F one drivers, come here after you're done. Let's just make a boatload of money together. Yeah, it's like when uh, soccer players in Europe go, go to, to the LA, yeah. LA Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Like David Bia playing in New York City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take Daniel Ricardo, put him in some NASCAR and go, all right, uh, try not to wreck the car. Go have fun. Go make money. <laughs> go make us. Let's go make some money. You can be as bad as you want. <coughs> yeah, he, he literally could just show up and people would just be like, you don't even have to race. He'll just show up and just wave. Yeah, no, just do the uh, do the green flag at the beginning and you're good. Oh yeah, just do that and we'll sell merch. Well, let's make some. We'll, let's start with the printing press. Get it going. <laughs> but what else? We have anything else we want to talk about? F one. Uh, what's happened? Um, uh, for, since we've been here, uh, Alonso is now going to Aston Martin. Lawrence Stroll dropped a mega bag on him once Sebastian Vettel has announced his retirement. Also over break summer. I, I don't even get why you'd want to go to Aston Martin. Money, man. Money, but like your car's not going. to I think Lawrence Stroll's trying to think: is hey, if I just keep giving my son teammates that are former world champions, that he'll learn something from them and won't get overshadowed at all. All right, no. Before we go, real quick, Dan's giving us the wrap-up sign a little bit. Um, let's do race predictions for this weekend. Who is going to be the podium this George weekend? George Russell. 
There's three podium spots. It's just one. George Russell, George Russell, George Russell. Uh, Mick Schumacher, I think, is going to be third. Really? No, I don't. I, 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 just, I, I just really hope that happens. Will it into existence, yeah. But I'm going to go with uh, Max Verstappen third, Carlos Sainz in second, and Leclerc in first. Because I really, really hope Ferrari fixes their strategy issues. Because we're fast. We're fast. We just don't have the strategy. From Daniel, you got a prediction? George Russell. All right, there it is. And right, okay, George Russell, Max Verstappen, and hmm, is this is George going to win? Though is that what you're no, saying? No. no, George is in third, podium, Max podium. second. No, th- this isn't in any particular order. You guys are just going to get a podium. Um, is that what's called, right? Yeah, podium P three, P two, P one. Uh, yeah. Uh, so give me Russell, give me Verstappen, and I'm not cheating. You're not give, cheating, okay? No. Give me Leclerc. Leclerc. So I got Leclerc. True All American. Right. Chuck, Le- Chuck Leclerc. And then for me, I'm going to go Lewis P3 because he's been raging recently. He's been getting podiums like crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Charles P2, and I think Max is going to win it this weekend and basically wrap it up, mm-hmm. barring a Red Bull Masterclass disaster. But I think he can finish P2 in every single race and still, and win. still win. I think so. Mathematically. But yeah, that is going to do it for F1 talk. We want to thank Mr. Noah Phillips for coming in here talking some football in F1 with us. He could stick around if he wants to. I don't know if he can or not, but appreciate that. When we come back, we got some talk. We have some, let's talk in soccer with the boys, talking Premier League. This is the Eagles Nest on Weagle 91.1. And welcome back into the Eagle's Nest, everybody. And now it's time for everyone's favorite news segment. I'm kidding. Everyone's looking at me like that's weird. We're doing a new segment here. This is the first time we've ever done this rule. This We started it last week with who you got. Now we're going to continue it. It's into its own segment. It's the Premier League. We're talking football with the lads. Football with the lads. Man, we're in the low period of sports. Hey. <laughs> Hey, NFL, college football is back next week, and a week after that is NFL. But let's talk about some other type of football right now. We have the Premier League. The European kind of football. Correct. The European kind. We have. Just call it soccer, please. I'm sorry. Fo- it's football, bro. Please just let it be soccer. Are you mad, fam? <laughs> no, I'm not mad at all. I just wanted to be You're called soccer. You're mad, fam. I'm you mad. Okay, let's talk. The some... next person who calls me mad is getting muted. Let's it's talk. It's Tuesday, isn't it? <laughs> it's Thursday. Let's talk some soccer. This um, is a mistake. Love it. Um, let's start off with this one. Problems at Chelsea. Yes, last weekend Chelsea lost three 0 to Leeds, who are Leeds are in the third spot in the Premier League. They're top three in the pr- Premier League after battling relegation last year. They're three early in the year. They have seven points, two wins, one draw. They have. The American Brendan Aronson scored for Leeds after he stole the ball from Eric Mindy. And also, for, oh, we were talking about this earlier on the show, we were talking soccer, a little bit of college soccer. Jack Harrison of Leeds United played at Wake Forest in the United States, only active college player from America in the Premier League. He scored as well in that. So I think some problems are coming for Chelsea's way. I know both these two are new to soccer, so I'm, it feels like I'm talking to myself a little bit. But Chelsea's just... Seven offsides. That's abysmal. Yeah, that's not not good at all for Chelsea. I thought Chelsea was supposed to be good. They 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 are good. They're in a low period right now. Everyone wants to fire their coach. Or a lot of people don't like their coach too much right now, but he literally won the Champions League for them like 
2021, so not long at all. Kind of reminds me of LSU last year, except, you know, Ed O'Shawn was not good. Yes, Chelsea is the equi- American equivalent to LSU. We'll call – actually, I could see that is being that, it. Is that valid? That's a valid – yeah, that's a valid thing to say, I think. Even though even though Chelsea were still good last year, LSU, the year after they won the title, were terrible, correct? I mean, not terrible. They, ter- yeah. they, had, some, in the they COVID, had some good moments. In the COVID year, I didn't even really I – mean, That Florida. was a fever dream. That cultural year was a fever dream. The only thing I remember from that is just Alabama won the national championship. That's like, all I remember. Probably the biggest LSU moment from that year was upsetting Florida in the last week of regular season. And if Florida had won that game, and then like that game against Alabama would have been for a playoff spot. What, was that the game where that player threw that shoe? Oh, yeah. I, I guess oh, I, I remember that. that. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, 2020, that was the year um, Devontae Smith won the Heisman, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, now it's starting to come back to me a little bit. But, yeah. Yeah, let's call it. Eagles Nest equivalent. We should do that one day. We should do yeah. Premier League equivalents to college football teams let's one day. Let's do that next week. We could do that maybe next week with our college football preview and stuff. But, yes, Chelsea, I could see that being the equivalent to LSU this year. So, lots of problems there. Next up on the agenda for talking soccer, is Manchester United back or is Liverpool in really deep trouble? On Monday afternoon, Manchester United secured their first points of the season, beating Liverpool at Old Trafford 2-1 to with goals from Jadon Sancho and Marcus Rashford, while Liverpool's Mo Salah had headed one in with about 12 minutes left in the second half. Liverpool is now far down. Liverpool is now 16th in the Premier League table, having tied Fulham the first week and tying Daniel's Crystal Palace the second week. I thought Liverpool was supposed to be good. They are good, but here's the thing, though. They've they're, had the same. They're 0 and 1. Here's the thing. They have. They're pretty good. Here's the thing. They have they lost this, to Crystal Palace. They've had the, They've had the same basic players. They've had the same core for multiple years now. And once you start to do that, teams start to figure out your strategies and stuff with them. And they've not yet learned to adapt. So that's so what people are talking about now. Ruins. Basically. So they have not yet to adapt. They've had that same core. They've won some. They won the um, Champions League, I think, in 2019. E, one of those early two. Th- I think, yeah, 2019. They won the um, Champions League in 2019, I think. They won the league in 2020. And so they've won some stuff. Maybe you could say, like, the Boston Bruins won some stuff, Daniel, like that. But in recent years, or last year, they finished second in the Premier League. So still pretty good. But this year, they've started to take a little bit of a dive some. They've had lackluster play. They've only scored they've only scored uh, four goals this year. And it's not, the current, it's not what people have expected of Liverpool. No, because, like, kind of as an outsider looking in, my take on Liverpool has been, like, this is the squad. Like, like, that's a good team. You don't mess with them. If you see Liverpool on the schedule, you're like, ah, oh, crud. But it just has not appeared to be that way this year. And then you have United now get some wind back in the sales finally from a club that's been looking to just sell. Just Everyone was just wanting to give up, and everyone was just wanting to cut our losses earlier this year. Now you get a win versus one of your top – versus your, one of your biggest rivals. And now your whole season starts to get rejuvenated again. You have Southampton this weekend, and – Chelsea the week and then Arsenal the week after that. Oh, no, you have Arsenal. Yeah, Southampton this week, Leicester midweek, and then you have Chelsea. Uh, no, then you have Arsenal the week. Uh, that's next Sunday. So it can, you can go on a run here if you can take on Arsenal and take some points from Arsenal away. That could be a big win. Do you want to come over at six thirty on a Saturday morning to watch them play Southampton? I'm probably gonna wake up early and then go right back to bed after that happens. So how long does the Premier League match go? It's 90 the, – the game time is like 90 minutes. Yeah. Halftime is like 15, 20 minutes. So 
right around almost hour 52 hours. Okay. So that's how long a Premier League match usually takes. And a lot of it's constant action since there's no really commercial breaks during the match. And we don't play till Tuesday. Yeah, but you play this weekend, though. You play Man City this weekend. Oh, nice. That's going to be an interesting one. One but... of the best teams in the league, Man City. Mm. You know, I think y'all are going to lose that, Daniel. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a hot take there, Mr. Phillips. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be tough rooting against Erling Haaland, considering I literally root against Erling Haaland against the USA. So, When did the USA last play Norway in soccer? I was just throwing it out there. Yeah, I was about to say that. Fair enough. Um, but, Daniel, looking at the table, and you're you're starting to grow on your knowledge. I'll give you that. You're starting to grow on your, your ball knowledge. I'm him. You're, yes, you're starting to be him and ball, learning some ball. What do you think? Don't say le- him and then learning some Okay, you know what? You, you, you made it that way. You made it sound. No, I, I didn't make it that way, but whatever. You made it sound like that. Okay. But um, what do you think is the best matchup of this weekend's Premier League? So that's this that's Saturday, Sunday, or Monday. Okay. So just what from what I've picked up so far, and this isn't me being biased. Okay. You have a team here in Crystal Palace who's trying to prove that this wasn't a flash in a pan. They're trying to prove that, like, we're here, we're for real, and what better chance than now? Man City, am I wrong, probably top three team right now? Maybe they're, one? They're the second, second. best team. Second, okay, second best team. Um, I'd say they're probably first, but Arsenal's just gone on a roll so far. Solid, no doubt about it, top three team. Okay, no dispute. This is your chance. You got it at home at um, in South London, and, and you got this remember, chance. Remember, the team on the left side is the home team in oh, soccer. crap. <laughs> All right, well, you, you got to go on the road to Manchester uh, City. <laughs> um, I'm not used to this notation. It's okay. It's, it's all good. All right. That's going to be a tough one. No, for, one second, one second. I'll say mine real quick. For me, I think this weekend's best matchup, I actually think it's going to be this one. I think it's going to be Arsenal and Fulham. Or uh, Fulham at Arsenal. Fulham! Fulham Fulham is a team that they've not lost yet. They've had they've had a win and two ties, so they're in, in the upper part of it. This is a team people did not expect to make it. This is a team that people expect to still be relegated this year. However, I don't think that's going to be the case. If they can get a point, take be take a point from Arsenal away, whether it be a tie or Fulham wins, that could be huge for them. Since Arsenal right now is the best team in the league, record points-wise, I think if you can take a point away from Arsenal, especially on the at home, you're taking a point away from Arsenal on the road, then that could do bounds for your season. So yeah, I think that's the matchup of this week, and I don't really see anything else that truly excites me. Noah, um, have you ever seen the uh, TV show on Apple TV called uh, Ted Lasso? <laughs> I, I think I have Noah. Uh, that's a pretty good show. Uh, Ted Lasso coaches a uh, AFC Richmond. AFC Richmond. That that is not on here. But <laughs> <laughs> can 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 the radio viewers tell that uh, I, I don't watch that much Premier League? Nah, I think they know. I think you, they think you know ball. Okay, but the other thing I also want to point uh, point out to your attention is uh, the New England Revolution mm. are having a pretty good year this year. Mm. They're crap. What are you talking about? <laughs> They're the best team in MLS. So I didn't even false. spell it right when I looked it up on my laptop. Hang on. I don't know where you're getting that from, but we we are currently. Uh, let's see here. I'm a fan of this. We team, are bro. eighth out of uh, fourteen. We are like one point or one uh, place off from being in the playoffs. 
Okay. Mm. Uh, in the Eastern Conference. This man knows his soccer. I know my Major League soccer. Man. Mm. American soccer, man. American soccer. America. Uh, what else do we want to say before we go to break? It's been an interesting segment, this to say. All right, no, let's just go through this real quick. Goal difference, 15th. Goals scored, tied for 14th. Assists, tied for 6th. Goals conceded, tied for 15th. They're terrible. Stats don't matter. It's yes, about who's do. got that dog in them. Mm. And New England Revolution mm. got that dog in them. Mm. They're 8, 10, and 8. Mm. But they got that dog in them. Eight mm. wins. You look at Philadelphia right now, they got 14 wins, 9 draws, and 4 losses. But they ain't got that dog in them. And that's mm. going to do it for this segment. <laughs> when we come back, it is who you got here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Welcome back into the Eagles Nest here on Weagle 91.1 FM. I am Daniel Locke. Alongside me today, as always, Greg Splankenberg. Also hanging out with us for the, from starting at 11 all the way to the end of the show now, Noah Phillips. So it is time for Who You Got. Who You Got, everyone's favorite segment of the week. It's the only segment we've done every single time we've had this show. I believe we've done it. Yeah. I don't. Have we ever have we done another sport every single segment? We didn't talk about NFL today, so I think we broke that streak. We did. Baker Mayfield's the starting quarterback. There we go. We didn't break it. There we go. Uh, college, uh, let's start out who you got. Last week was abysmal for me. I think it was the worst record we've ever had for who you got for me. I went 1-9, only winning one game, and that was one of the Premier League games. But Mr. Luck going to smooth 500 on the dot. He's got the early lead over us. It's a long semester. Let's see if Daniel can keep it up. Well, let's start it off right now. First off, we're doing some week zero games in college football. The game of the week in college football this week is the Northwestern Wildcats taking on the Nebraska Cornhuskers in Dublin to Ireland. That's going to be on Saturday. Mr. Luck, who you got? I've got Nebraska, but I mean, what what the heck has Scott Frost done to deserve this opportunity? Notre Dame said no. That's why they got to deserve it this week. Notre Dame said no to this Ireland series. This is usually oh. Notre Dame's game, right? Notre Dame usually goes to Ireland. Oh, yeah. Were they supposed to go play Navy or someone over, over there? Probably. I don't know. But, yeah, you got Nebraska? <clears throat> no? Yeah. Um, I'll take Nebraska, but I don't think they're going to cover. Because they're 20-point favorites, right? I, I forgot. I think. Yeah. I don't think – I think they'll win, but I don't think they'll cover. So I think Nebraska it'll be a game. Nebraska loses. Does Scott Frost come back to the States with a job? Yeah. Well, they're not going to fire him after one game. They're close, though. He'll be on the hot seat. Oh, he already is on the hot seat. He'll just be even hotter. Oh, yeah. I don't think he'll make a pass. If what you're asking is if he'll make a pass this season, I don't think so. Barring them going 7-5, they're not gonna, he's not going to make it. Maybe 6-6. Six and six. You think 6-6? Six maybe. And six if he wins the bowl, bowl if game. He win, if he goes to a bowl game, maybe. Man, Nebraska's fallen. They really have. And they are a 13.5 point favorite. But I'm, I'm going to go with Nebraska. I had them earlier. I'm going to take with them. Moving on now, we're going – to Champaign, Illinois, Wyoming is taking on the Fighting Illini. That's going to be on the Big Ten Network on Saturday. Mr. Locke, who you got? I would really like to take the Cowboys, but I'm going to have to take the Illini. I'm going to go with the Cowboys. I just got a good feeling about them. Hmm. They got that dog in them. They got that dog in them. Can't argue that, but I am going to argue that. I'm going to take... The fighting line. I think that Brett Bielema is going to get into a bowl game this year. That's my prediction. Whether they go 6-6. Six and six, Yeah, I think they're going to go 6-6 six and six this year. I think they're going to start looking up for Illinois. 
Moving on now, we have the Duquesne Dukes taking on the Florida State Seminoles. That's going to be in Tallahassee this Saturday on AACC Network. Mr. Locke, who you got? If Florida State loses this game, they should be relegated. To the American Conference. Mm. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Florida State, I got them. Noah? Uh, I got Florida State, but God, I want the Dukes to win. Yeah, God, I if I get it. if I get this pick wrong, I'm gonna be totally okay with that. Yeah, me too. Speaking oh, yeah, of like things, I'd be totally okay with happening. Florida A&M taking on the UNC Tar Heels, the North Carolina Tar Heels. That's gonna be at Canaan Memorial Stadium in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. That's gonna be also this Saturday on the ACC Network. Mr. Locke, who you got? You know, UNC has kind of been teasing this really since about 2020. That they're trying to be like, we're not just a basketball school, we're a football school as well. And, you know, we haven't really seen that yet. So this is the start of a new campaign, and they're for sure not dropping this one. I don't think they'll drop it either. Um, I don't know how good they're going to do in the rest of the season, though. ACC is going to be pretty, pretty good this year. I mean, Wake Forest is winning the ACC. That'd be great. The Atlantic's going to be really tough, especially got – well, depends all, I think, on when Wake Forest gets Sam Hartman back. That's what – Get the U down, Noah. Uh, it's going to be the U, dog. <laughs> That's what I think is going to happen. I think it's going to be come down to whether Sam Hartman, when he comes back for the wake, if they're going to compete more in the Atlantic. What they're saying is Sam Hartman should be back by the time Wake plays Clemson, but we'll see. I think it's either Clemson, NC State, and Wake Forest is going to be the battle for who's going to win the ACC this year, I think. And then I think Miami's going to cakewalk to the Coastal Final. So, But, yeah, I have UNC in that as well. Moving on now, we're done with college football weeks here. We're going to have much more college football picks next week so far. But they have EPL now. We have Southampton versus Manchester United. That's going to be on this Saturday at 6.30 in the morning. Daniel, who you got? I own property from California to Southampton. However, I don't think Southampton's going to win this game. And I also mm. don't own any property. Mm. Um. I'll take Southampton just because Daniel said it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> good strategy. That is a good strategy. They're going to go. Hmm, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I'm going to go with Man United too. I think they're going to bounce. They're going to continue that momentum they got beating Liverpool the other day. I think they can take care of Southampton if they play the same they did against Liverpool. Moving on now, we have Mr. Locke's Crystal Palace. I forgot the nickname. Daniel, what's the nickname again? I forget it every. I'm uh, made in South London. That's not the nickname. Yeah, it is. Toppers. The Toppers taking on Man City. It's going to be this Saturday as well. Mr. Locke, who you got? I would love to take CP, but, you know, this is just tough. And it'll be a good learning opportunity. So my advice to Crystal Palace is just go out there, learn everything you can, and just have a productive loss. The game's played in Manchester, right? That is correct. Then, yeah, I'm going to take City by two goals. Hmm. Wise words never, man. Less never have never been. I don't know how that saying goes. I'm going Man City as well. Wise words have never been spoken. That's the one. I'm going Man City in this one as well. Too much star power for the toppers to take on. I'm gonna go with them. Moving on now. Next we have the Major League Baseball first game of the week. We have Angels taking on the Blue Jays. That's gonna be in Toronto. Shohei Otani versus Alec Manoa is the projected matchup. Mr. Locke, who you got? I'm going to take the Blue Jays. Uh, I know Otani's on the mound, but he's not going to have a lick of run support. And 
yeah, it's just going to be a continuously miserable existence for him and Trout in L.A. I'll take uh, Trout gets two home runs, Shohei Otani puts in a six-inning uh, shutout, and the Blue Jays win by three. Hmm. I think that's a good chance of happening. I'm going to go Blue Jays in that. Yeah, I just think no matter what Shohei does, I don't think they're still going to win. Barring maybe a no-hitter or perfect game. If they lose on a no-hitter or perfect game, that might complete the Angels' cycle of impossibility of being bad with amazing players. Next up, we have the Atlanta Braves. They're taking on the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, the projected matchup for that one is Charlie Morton's pitching for the Braves versus probably the best pitcher since the All-Star break has been Mr. Jordan Montgomery of the St. Louis Cardinals. Daniel, who you got? Braves. I'll take the Cardinals. I like that uh, Montgomery fella. Yeah, I think Montgomery's been playing out of his mind recently, so I'm going to go with the Cardinals on that one. I think it's too much, too little, too late for the Braves in that matchup. Next up on this schedule, we have the Cleveland Guardians. They're taking on the Seattle Mariners. Projected matchup for that one is Zach Pelesic versus Luis... Plezak. Plezak, sorry, versus Luis Castillo. Castillo. has T in it. It's a silent T. I've never heard of a silent whatever. Daniel, who you got? Uh, Seattle. I'll take Seattle, too. Yeah, I'm going to go with Seattle. I think Luis Castillo. Uh, Castillo. 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 I'm taking them. I think the Mariners have been one of the best stories in baseball this year. They're, they're not going to compete for the, you know, the the AL West, but they can maybe make some mad, more, uh, not October madness happen. Going back to the playoffs for the first time since early 2000s, 90s? Mm-hmm. Yeah, early, early 2000s. 2000s. So, I'm going with them. Nice. And our final game of this week's Who You Got Slate is we have the San Diego Padres traveling to Kansas City, Missouri to take on the Royals. That projected matchup is you Darvish for the Padres, and the pitcher for the Royals is TBD. Daniel, for the final time today, who you got? San Diego, baby. I'll take the Royals. Hmm. I don't know why. I just got that good feeling about them. I was thinking about taking the Royals, but them, me not knowing their pitching matchup yet is what steered me away from them. I was going to take them, but, yeah, I'm going to have to go with San Diego. Uh, we're finished a little bit early. Is there anything we forgot to cover today? Nope. Any NFL news? You said? I said Baker was a starter. Yep. Congrats, Baker. Congrats to Baker. I think that's it. Um, there's one more. Who was the guy that got hurt? Oh, basketball real quick. Uh, Chet Holgram's out for the year. Oh, that sucks. Guarding LeBron for one minute in the pro in the pro AM game and the wristic injury, something like that. I thought it was a ligament. It was something in his foot that he broke yeah. or something like that. Daniel's on ESPN right now. Maybe he can get that for us real quick. Um. Yeah, one second. In other news, the Boston Celtics continue to dominate the basketball world. Hmm. It's a mm. foot injury, a Frank injury to his right foot. Yeah, defending LeBron James on a fast break. Didn't get hurt a single time in, in high school or college I read. In the first second, he guards LeBron. He's out. I feel like people made that joke too much, like Giannis or LeBron coming at him full speed, he's like gonna snap the twig in half or something like that. And it came true. It, it came true a little bit, but yeah, that's, that's just how it works sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes the internet just manifests stuff. Yeah. Yep. But that's gonna do it for us today. Thank you for me, Danny. You want to close it out? Yep. Thank you, Noah, for coming on. Great Thank conversation you, Noah. is always You're a welcome. lot of fun. 
Um, you can catch us next week. You can catch the podcast pretty soon. Next week is going to be largely college football talk, probably at least, bare minimum, 30 minutes of Auburn. So you know where to find us. You know where to find that. And we'll be back next week. Have a good one. Hey, take care, y'all. Thank you for tuning in to the Eagle's Nest. We enjoyed bringing you updates on everything going on in the world of sports. If you missed any of today's show, you can catch the podcast version wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Daniel J. Locke and at The Griggs B. Until next time, this has been the Eagle's Nest. See you next week. Thank you.